0: You're listening to the
1: Irish Times Inside Politics podcast.
0: It's Wednesday, November the 30th, and you're very welcome to the Weekly Politics Podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Hugh Linehan. With me in studio today, Sarah Barden from our political staff, and Paul Murphy TD from the Anti-Austerity Alliance, People Before Profit. Yesterday, the Commission on Water Services delivered its report to the government, and we'll be discussing that with Paul in a few minutes. But first, Sarah and I were joined earlier by the Minister for Housing, Planning and Local Government, Simon Coveney, who commissioned the report, and this is what he had to say. Minister, I was talking to our esteemed Deputy Political Editor, uh, Pat Leahy, just before we started recording this podcast, and he suggested that today um, you wouldn't be admitting you'd lost on this issue and your political opponents wouldn't be admitting they'd won on water charges. What do you think of that? Well, that sounds to me like
2: a reasonable compromise or the basis for it anyway. Uh, No, look, I mean, my only interest here uh, is to try and settle this issue once and for all. Um, You know, we've had some of the most divisive political debates and discussions and protests and um, and political debates around water that I've ever been involved in anyway over the last few years, uh, and it's not been easy. Uh, and I think, you know, what we're trying to do with this process is, first of all, take the, the debate around how we pay for domestic water supplies and wastewater treatment out of the party political system uh, and to ask a group of eight experts, and they are genuine experts, to come up with a sensible proposal that can be the basis for a political compromise. We then uh, put those recommendations to an Oireachtas committee where the debate gets political again, as it has to. And uh, That's what will happen now. We have 20 members on a committee, senators and TDs. Every political grouping and political party is represented on that. Uh, and we're asking them to come up with recommendations to the Dáil and Shannon for a vote uh, on how we're going to pay for water in about three months' time. Um, And I think that process can work uh, as long as everybody is looking for a solution. Uh, I think, unfortunately, some people aren't. But I think, you know, uh, I hope most people will approach this in a constructive way. Uh, I'm not precious uh, about um, uh, anything that's been said in the past, but I am firm on my view on a number of things, as indeed is Fine Gael. Uh, and that is that there needs to be some element uh, of this plan that ensures that people are discouraged from wasting water, that there's a consequence to wasting water, so that we have a responsible approach towards conservation. So from that point of view, I'm very pleased with the recommendation that the that the, the Expert Commission has made, that if people essentially use more than
0: what is normal or reasonable well, then they would have to pay for it themselves. And I, would you, you know. envisage that that would be done through the metering system and the hundreds of thousands of meters that have already been rolled out, yeah, and perhaps more yet uh, to be uh, rolled uh, out? And that's what the commission is. That mean. not a very expensive way no. of keeping an eye on domestic water wastage. No, I mean you
2: know the commission is is unambiguous on this issue. Uh, it's very strongly in uh, in supportive of metering. That's the expert commission now. Uh, it makes it very clear that uh, it is the best way of ensuring that there is a link between. Uh, conservation uh, and how we charge. Um, it's also a very important way of ensuring that we find where the leaks are so we can fix them. Um, so, you know, I think the recommendations on metering are pretty clear and strong in the report. Uh, it's page 36 for anybody uh, who wants to see the detail. Everybody should read uh, it, of course. Uh, um, and, uh, but no, I mean, look, the core issue here, and I think, you know, in the middle of this report, um, uh, they get to the nub of the issue. Uh, and it says that a volume, volumetric charging system based on metering, supported by a well-targeted affordability system, uh, represents the approach that is most in line with best practice, right? And then it goes on to say, but in Ireland, uh, it has, uh, we've not been able to deliver enduring political support, nor did it attract a sufficient degree of, of popular acceptance to have the, the original system, which they effectively endorse here as best practice. And so um, what they are taking is a practical and and what I would regard a sensible approach, recognizing the political realities in Ireland. And they're saying that, look, for families and individuals uh, that are using normal amounts of water, uh, the uh, the general taxpayer would pay for that. Uh, But for people who are using more than that and are effectively wasting water or overusing it, um, that's fine, but they have to pay for it. There needs to be a consequence and that, uh, you know, the general taxpayer shouldn't be paying for water wastage. They should be paying for a fair and sensible amount of, of water usage that can be determined uh, by the regulator and by the Water Forum.
0: Sarah, listening to the minister here, this sounds like in his view and in Finna-Gale's view, this report provides the first step in a pragmatic way out of this political morass which Fine Gael and previously Labour and to a certain extent Fianna Fáil find themselves in as well.
3: Well if Simon is ever the optimist I would probably be a bit more cynical than he would because I think the real battle only begins now because um, once this commission's report is um, considered by the Oireachtas Committee, that's when the political toxic, toxicity that surrounds this issue starts to come to bear. Um, I think the recommendations of the of the committee um, or the expert commission are a departure from both Fine Gael and Fianna Falls' position. For Fine Gael they went into the general election in February, contesting um, on a platform that supported water charges. They lost a significant number of seats on the back of that and other and other issues. But what their position on water charges played a role in that, and. Then now to find that the expert commission is proposing that, that water services can be funded through general taxation, having fought such a, a divisive campaign on the issue, is, is somewhat of a slap of in the face for them. But
0: accepted from what I heard, what, what we just heard the minister saying here. Is it being accepted? Well, you know, That slap in the face has been accepted and it's time to move on.
3: Well, I don't really think you can move on, in fairness. I mean, they they have to look back at their election results, which saw them lose 20 seats and and assess where they went wrong. And their position on water charges was one of the reasons that they suffered electorally. Mm. And I think, you know, looking at what the expert commission now is saying, it might prove a little bit difficult for them to...
2: Yeah, I mean... I agree with some of that, right? and uh, clearly I don't think this is the ideal way to be charging for water, but I think it is certainly the, uh, I hope, the best available opportunity to, to settle the issue. Uh, don't forget that you know Fine Gael campaigned on a number of things relating to water. First of all, we campaigned to maintain a single utility to actually deliver clean water uh, and to manage wastewater in much more effectively than we've done in the past. Uh, other parties campaigned on the basis of abolishing water charges and abolishing Irish water. Uh, the result now after the negotiations are under program for government and a confidence and supply agreement with Fine Gael and so on is that the single water utility concept is now accepted and protected. Um, the issue then of how we pay for domestic uh, water systems in Ireland, and don't forget that nearly 48% of water leaks through the pipes into the ground in Ireland. That's how bad our system is. Um, we're trying to fix that. Uh, And so, you know, um, uh, our approach has always been that there should be some form of free allowance uh, uh, or cap uh, and that people should pay for water on the basis of the volumes that they use after that. What the Commission is saying is going a little bit further than that. I I accept that and Sarah's right on that. Uh, What they're saying is that normal usage should be be paid for through general taxation uh, and that excessive usage should be paid for by some form of water wastage levy or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, we we have to be, I think, mature enough to recognise that there's an opportunity for a compromise here whereby Fine Gael, um, in terms of our policy on water, uh, has been protected in terms of the fundamentals around a single utility, and there being some link between wastage and uh, and a consequence of that. I suppose the
0: concern the and concern that would be expressed by those who have opposed the, the the charges so vociferously is that even though in pragmatic terms, effectively, the vast majority of the population, as the report says, would not be paying water charges of any sort, the system would be in place which would allow in the future for those limits to be reduced so that a larger part of the population and, and, and in any case, who defines Who's, who's, who's overusing water I mean, and who I mean,
2: sets Is anybody credibly suggesting that we shouldn't be measuring how much w- water the country is using and who's using it and where? I mean, you know, in an information age where knowledge is everything, if we're going to manage our water supply, if we're going to understand our leaks, if we're going to try and put a more efficient and safer system in place, we have to know who's using what and where. And that's what the metering does for us. And that's why this report is so supportive of metering. Uh, and if we're going to have... a a levy or a charge um, uh, for wasting water as opposed to general taxation just covering that cost, Uh, well, then you have to do that on the basis of metering too. So, you know, like I've, um, somebody, you know, said to me last night, this is a little bit like washing your car with Ballygowan. You know, like there's a cost to using treated water uh, and the taxpayer is paying for that. Primarily. I mean, there's also commercial water charges and so on, but primarily. Um, And so if people waste water, is it reasonable to expect the taxpayer to pick up the tab for that? I don't think it is. What we're saying here is that if people use, you know, a normal or reasonable amount of water, and that'll be determined, as I said, by the regulator, uh, well, then we are accepting uh, that as a basis of, of a compromise, we should look at at that being paid for through general taxation, which is
0: the case at the moment, by the way, today. What's your view on what should happen with uh, the 20% of water users, water using households who are on group water schemes now? How can it be justified that they they would continue under that system, given everything that's happened?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, don't forget that, you know, group water schemes are grant-aided, just like private wells also uh, are are grant-aided in many cases. But uh, one of the recommendations of the report is that the committee should look at uh, how we have an equitable and fair system uh, for people who are on the mains, if you want to call it that, versus people who are who are effectively paying for their own private uh, and, in some cases, publicly owned uh, group water schemes. Uh, and, uh, I mean, that is an issue that we need to tease could, out. Could we potentially but there is end already, up in a situation where, where you have, actually
0: have more actually wa- have more costs of providing water to the population on the balance sheet than we had at the outset? Potentially.
2: One of uh, and, uh, you know, that's something that I hope that the committee will take a responsible and sen- sensible approach on. Actually, you know, one of the... One of the members of the expert group was actually the head of the Irish group water schemes uh, in terms of their representative body. So he was actually on that expert commission that has given the the recommendations that got published last night uh, and has been part of that conversation. Um, But I mean, I think the core issue here is to try and get public acceptance for a genuine effort to try and find a compromise middle ground here that everybody can live with. Uh, And, you know, FINAFOL have been quite quiet in their response so far. Uh, what they have said is that the old charging system is clearly over, and I agree with them on that. Um, but uh, I hope we will be able to to work with them and others on the committee, like the Labour Party and the Green Party. I mean, I thought it was interesting, you know, the one party that was unambiguous about welcoming the report last night was the Green Party, uh, welcoming the conservation element of it. Uh, and I think that, you know, that is um, that's a positive sign that actually conservation is a clear part of this and linked to a, a
0: wastage levy, if you want to call it that. And I think that's a fair approach. Sarah, is it fair to say that Fianna Fáil are the real or the important part, most important part of this jigsaw possibly you have a story on the front of today's Irish Times that they are considering whether an amalgamation with property charges uh, in terms of water charges might might have merit.
3: Yeah, well what the 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 committee will meet on Tuesday for its first meeting. The outcome of their deliberations will depend primarily on Fianna Fáil's position and as we've reported uh, Quite extensively in their pa- in the past, their position on water charges is quite fluid. Um, so, they, yesterday, when the report was issued, um, there's somewhat radio silence from the party. Barry Kane, the housing spokesperson, issued a very sort of small report a statement saying that they would look at the report's recommendations and they wouldn't adopt a final position until after the committee had deliberated. The reality is the um, the positions of everybody else on the committee is quite clear. There's five members of Fianna Fáil on it, four TDs and one senator. Um, And the outcome of their deliberations and the outcome of the committee's uh, recommendations will depend solely on Fianna Fáil. Um, And I think they're very reluctant as of now to uh, issue what their stance will be. But it does look like they are examining emerging of the property tax and uh, the water charges. But that is not going to take place until 2019 All of this would be a long re-band. way away. It would be, yeah. be beyond so the
0: we, next election. Probably. The
3: problem is yeah. we need yeah. to know their, their position now, really. Um, everybody else on the committee is either for or against Fianna we We're not quite sure.
2: I mean, but I mean, whether you, you know, whether you have a charge um, that is linked to the property tax, in other words, whether you have one charge or whether you have two separate charges, I mean, effectively, you know, it's the principle around do you have some consequence for wasting water? That's the key issue here, and the idea that we would simply abolish all water charges and have no link between um, what people use excessively uh, and uh, and how it's paid for. I mean, you know, personally, I just think that's madness. You know, and uh, I I don't see how anybody who is serious about water conservation about managing a valuable resource responsibly could be making that case. Uh, I mean, I can understand why politically, people who've been campaigning on uh, an abolition uh, of water charges, and that's, that's the mantra, so that's what they have to follow. That's politics. But I think a party like Fianna Fáil, a party that, who, who aspires to be in government in the not-too-distant future, I'm sure, um, the idea that, um, you know, that, that you would simply say, well, abolish everything, Uh, and there should be no consequence for people who use five or six times the average water usage and sure, look, we'll just let the taxpayer pay for everything. I mean, I just don't think that's credible. Uh, And uh, so, you know, what what we will do and what I have been doing, you know, and there are some people who have said to me um, that, look, why aren't you attacking Fianna Fáil for their inconsistent position on water? You know, are they not making U-turns? Why don't you gain politically out of this? And I've always said, look, we're in a process here that we've agreed with Fianna Fáil. Um, my objective is to get to the end of that process and get an outcome that can settle the issue of how we pay for water once and for all and that is my objective here rather than trying to get short-term gains or trying to corner people or accuse them of U-turns or whatever. Um, and, um, Do you
3: accept that the 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 fate of water charges lies now in the hands of Fianna Fáil?
2: Well uh, it lies in the you know in the overall committee I mean don't forget like other parties have a view here too um, but I but clearly if there's going to be a majority I mean certainly you know Sinn Féin and the anti austerity alliance the people for profit and sort of the hard left groupings uh, are going to continue to campaign for outright abolition Um I I mean, I haven't heard officially from the Labour Party, but I'm sure they'll be responsible on this, uh, uh, you know, as will the Green Party, as will you know, uh, I- independent rural deputies. Uh, you know, uh, many of them would make a strong case that there should be something paid for water because rural people have been paying f- for water forever. Um, so, but I think Sarah is right. I mean, the numbers on the committee are such uh, that uh, if Fianna and Fine Gael, working with people, other constructive voices on that committee uh, who are looking for a compromise... Uh, and if everybody's willing to move a little bit from their, from their core positions which Fine Gael have to do by the way and I'll have to bring our party on that too. Uh, on that journey too. If people are willing to do that, then I think we have the basis for
0: a reasonable compromise here that I believe most Irish people will see as sensible. Finally, can I ask you, ominous noises this morning from the Fiscal Advisory Council, the government is under pressure on a number of fronts in terms of its finances, particularly on public service pay, but this issue doesn't help either in terms of that. Is the government going to be able to hold the line in what is a, a most uncertain international economic climate over the next 18, 24 months?
2: Uh, Well, the answer to that is yes, we have to hold the line. Uh, I mean, we cannot allow what happened in the past where, you know, where a government spends money that the country can't afford. uh, And in doing so does really fundamental and structural damage to the economy. So, you know. All of this stuff around, you know, increased, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, increased wages across the public sector, uh, around, you know, improving public services, whether it's in healthcare, education, whether it's in housing and homelessness, all of that is based on a growing economy to pay for it. Um, so, you know, one of the things that Pascal Dunou has been very consistent on uh, is that we have a budget for next year in terms of public sector pay that's uh, consistent with Lansdowne Road. Uh, it involves, I think, paying about an extra €290 million Euros, um, uh, across the public sector. Uh, of course, the Labour Court recommendation in relation to uh, the Guards uh, has consequences. Uh, and so uh, he wants to talk with the union leadership about those consequences uh, to try and keep everybody on board. And that involves uh, unanticipated expenditure in 2017? Not yet, because nothing is committed to it yet. And you know, I do believe that uh, the trade union leadership in Ireland have shown a lot of responsibility when they needed to, when Ireland had no money to spend. Uh, and I also think they'll be responsible uh, uh, in terms of of what we need to do now to actually sustain and maintain a recovery, uh, as opposed to put that at risk. Uh, but those negotiations will take place now, and uh, and we'll work through them. Um, but I can assure you this government uh, if it's uh, you know if it's going to last needs to be prudent uh, and fair with how we spend public money but we also need to make sure that we can only spend what we can afford sure. Can
3: I just ask Simon just for regards to water do you accept in full the recommendations of the Expert Commission?
2: Um, well we're going to have a parliamentary party meeting this evening on that and like we'll go through that but I mean my my response to it initially is that I think this is a good basis for uh, a, a compromise, as long as everybody's willing to be constructive and move away from core positions, uh, then I think that um, that, um, that this report can be the basis for a political agreement. But there are some unanswered questions in it. So, you know, what is normal usage, for example? Um, how do we get the remaining meters in place that are needed to, to be able to have an excess usage levy? Um uh, uh, there needs to be um, you know legal clarity in terms of our international obligations under the Water framework directive. the this commission has given their judgment, uh, and I you know and I think you know that that has a lot of credibility, but I think there are some probably more questions to be answered there. Um, so, but I do think the report is a good basis for what I hope will be now a mature political discussion so that we can undoubtedly we're not going to get a, a unanimous consensus here as to the way forward. But I think we can get a majority agreement uh, that, is, that is responsible. Uh, and um, certainly Fine Gael will work towards that end. What
3: do you think the funding mechanism should be, though? There's three options outlined by the Commission, a dedicated tax uh, expansion or adjustment of existing taxes or a broadly based fiscal um, adjustment. What will you be advocating for?
2: Oh, well, look, I mean, that'll be, I mean, that's a matter for the Department of Finance. I mean, you know, if the exchequer has to cover the cost uh, uh, of something, it's up to the Minister f- for Finance to decide how, how we tax for that. Um, but, I mean, you know, I think it's important to put the actual cost here into perspective because I've heard figures being thrown out that, you know, how are we going to pay for the billion euros that we need to spend on water every year? You know, the vast majority of that billion euros uh, of investment uh, in water each year is already covered by... The, uh, the exchequer and, and taxpayers. About 200 million of it is covered by commercial water charges. None of that's changing. Uh, if we were paying domestic water charges this year, uh, and if everybody was paying, uh, there would be about 239 million euros coming in, but don't forget, if we had water charges, we would also probably have uh, a conservation grant, which was costing the state um, 110 million euros. So actually, you know, the, uh, uh, the the deficit there, if you want to call it that, or the the income foregone for the state, um, you know, is about or, uh, is about 129 million euros. Um, now we have budgeted already. Uh, for this year, um, um, for some of that cost, uh, because we knew that, that, um, that the suspension would, uh, would take effect for at least the first quarter of the year. So, like, the, the gap here is no, nowhere near a billion euros. Uh, it's much closer to 100 million. Uh, um, but, of course, we need to have a conversation within, um, within Cabinet uh, as to how we deal with that,
0: and, and we will. I see. Thanks very much, Minister. Paul Murphy, I'm going to put the same question to yourself as I put to Simon Coveney earlier. Pat Leahy, our political deputy political editor, had been suggesting um, that uh, the minister wouldn't be admitting that he'd lost this argument, and equally that you'd be admitting that you wouldn't be admitting that you'd won it.
1: I don't think the commission decides anything, really. You know, the question of who wins, if that's important, what's important is whether there's water charges or not, is something that will be decided in the first place by the Doll committee and most importantly by the Doll itself. So this isn't over. Um, this report uh, does contain some pluses for us in the sense that it debunks some of the government's arguments for water charges, in particular the question of cons- conservation whenever we have lower usage of water than Britain, which has an established regime of uh, water charges. Um, it doesn't accept, which is good, the Commission's argument that just you have to have... These water charges it raises a question mark at least uh, over uh, that, and it accepts the idea which we've always said that look we already pay for water through general taxation. Um, but the, the key area where we have a problem and won't accept the report um, is the question of uh, charges for so-called excessive usage. And I think, I mean, the report is a classic political fudge. It bears all the fingerprints of political pressure. That's clear and. What that potentially does, I think it it, it allows a report that Fianna Fáil get to say, oh, water charges are gone, but Fianna get to say to their base, well, this is kind of a modified version of what we originally argued for, that people get a very generous allowance and then you have to pay for something over the top. And I think what we would say, and I think the vast majority of people who have protested, who have refused to pay water charges, is that this is a Trojan horse for the reintroduction of full charges. If you have any charge for usage of water, it means you have to have metering, and then if you're going to actually not lose a bunch of money on it over time, you'll have to reduce the allowances and increase the prices. And that's the, the battle we'll be fighting over the next few oh, months.
0: Simon Coveney was making the argument earlier that meters actually help as part of a project to reduce water usage across the country, regardless of whether people are actually paying.
1: Well, look at the evidence of... Ireland, which hasn't historically had metres versus uh, Britain, um, which has had both metres in most parts of of Britain and charges. And we use, including outliers, 122 litres per person per day, and they use just over 140 litres per person per day. So I don't buy it. I mean, the the report also refers to the fact that some of the benefits of metering could be achieved by district metering. Um, I think that, that the reality is look what the metres were about. They were intrinsically linked to the question of charging for water. They, they were. If you're not going to have water charges, there's no point in having metres on that scale. There is a point in having district metering in order to find leaks, et cetera, and that should happen. Um, but it is something important that is kind of posed by the report but not really dealt with, is what's going to happen to the metering project now. I mean, take my constituency, at least half of the constituency has not been metered. Nowhere in Talla has been metered. And they won't get meters in. People, they'll meet significant community opposition and resistance. Um, So we think they should abandon the metering programme now and use the money instead to invest in fixing the leaking pipes in the first place. What about the
0: structure of of an organisation to deliver water to the people of Ireland, a standalone body? What's your your position on that now and in relation to what's in the
1: report? Yeah, I, I don't agree with what's in the report in that respect. Um, I mean, it, the report does point to something, a kind of a contradiction that exists, which is the fact that officially it's all with Irish water, but then you have service level agreements with the councils, which means in reality it's still done by the councils, but with Irish water contracting the councils to do it. But I, I think simply that the infrastructure should be left with the councils, should be given back to the councils, which are democratic, Organisations across the state elected by people who've made a dog's um, dinner of this for a couple of generations. Well, I now. think, I think some of them have, some of them haven't. Um, South Dublin County Council, actually, I think, is the lowest. Rates of, of leaks in the in the country, um, it's a question. But overall, that the problem has been a problem of a lack of government investment. But I, I but would. But is there not is, the is there not still an argument in a country this size for a centralised approach to something
0: like, for example, I think planning permission was given last night for a, a major redevelopment of the Roundwood Reservoir in Wicklow. That serves a much greater catchment area, including I think probably your
1: constituents in, so, in mm-hmm. South Dublin, than just Wicklow County Council. Um, there, there is an argument for an overall national vision. There's no question about that. But the question is, how is that done? And so we, we would favour ownership of the resources vesting in the local democratically elected councils, authorities, but then having a national water and sanitation board that oversees a coordination of investment between the different councils, et cetera, to make sure that you do have that coordination on a national scale. The problem for us always with the model of Irish water um, And in the report that the notion of off-balance sheet funding and all that is is gone, it's out the window. So that was the justification for it. But the problem for us was that, effectively, it took these resources that had been paid for by people out of taxation, wrapped it up in a bow called Irish water and potentially prepared it for privatisation en masse later on down the road.
3: Is it your position, Paul, that general taxation should cover... Uh, the entire funding of water services, yeah, and how would you um how would you how would you do that? I mean the report recommends three options, mm-hmm. whether it's a, a dedicated tax or an expansion of existing tax or broadly based fiscal adjustment like where would you find the money to fund water services in this country because I think it's one point four billion euro to um for the next i think t- till twenty twenty or twenty nineteen at the very least
1: yeah, so one interesting point that actually I've heard Simon Coveney make on a number of occasions today, which is a point we have previously made, is that the cost of not having water charges is not a lot of money, relatively speaking. It's 120, 130 million. Whereas if you remember back to the last government, we were told abolishing water would cost an excess of a billion, I think, as far as I remember, was Alan Kelly's line at the time. So you're not actually talking about a huge amount of money here, but we're actually in favor of investing more. Out of those options, we would be very concerned about the option of a new stream of funding, because that implies a new water tax, but not levied on usage, but somehow other levied. Or the third option, linking it to another tax, which is obviously the, the road that Fianna is pointed towards in terms of the property tax. So we favour coming out of generalized, general central taxation. So, for example, financial transaction tax, income tax, corporations tax, wealth tax. They're the avenues in terms of the amount of money you're talking about. I mean, financial transaction tax would raise half a billion uh, euros. That would be sufficient on a yearly basis to both cover those costs and go towards extra in terms of we estimate you need about another 400 million on top of what's budgeted in terms of investment in infrastructure. But
3: pe- should people not be punished for wasting water?
1: Um, I think that if you have a model that people are punished for wasting water, that will function in reality in the way like society is actually organised as a thin edge of a wedge to charge everybody or most people for water, um, the evidence suggests that there isn't massive, excessive usage in Ireland. You know, and we always are a bit. Is there used is by there
0: empirical evidence of that
1: available? Well, that's that's the evidence in terms of the water usage compared to Britain or compared to other regimes that have uh, charges. That's the overall per capita usage or per household. Yeah, yeah so obviously the there can be this hmm. or that person who does. You know, this mythical person who washes their car twice a day and leaves the taps on overnight in the winter and all that. But I, I don't think that's widespread. And I think,
3: But that the, ev- the evidence does show in the report as well that since the charges have been suspended, water usage has increased. And so conservation has effectively gone out the window where people, you know, don't well, have to pay for but it. But
1: that, that was a weird report that RT had yesterday, which if you listen to the report, they say, so usage went up in May and then they say it returned to the levels it was at previously. And Irish Water themselves raised a question mark over whether it was related to the suspension of of water charges, and that there was weather factors, etc., at that time. So, I, I don't really buy it because nobody was paying anyway. Like the last bill, seventy three percent of people refused to pay uh, the water charges. So, I, I don't think that's the reason. I think, like we do need to, that there is wastage of water by people. Obviously, the vast majority of wastage is by the state in terms of the leakage, but there is wastage of water by people, and we need to stop that. And I think the best way to do that is through education and through investment and grants in things like rainwater harvesting, greywater harvesting, dual flush toilets, the change of building regulations to ensure all new builds, have those things built.
3: That's sort of a long-term project and plan. How do you punish people for wasting what is a, you know, it's a scarce resource?
1: Um, I don't think there's a way to punish people for uh, wasting water that doesn't leave the door open going after charges uh, for everybody. Okay,
0: I understand, I understand that point but what about another point which has been made to me by a couple of people over the last couple of days which is that when it comes to provision of public utilities like the electricity grid or public service broadcasting or a number of other things that if you don't have a dedicated income stream which is directly connected to that what happens in reality in the political world and we definitely have seen this with underinvestment in water over over many decades is that the, the immediate is privileged and, and you know really important political issues like pressure on the health service or the education system, they get pushed up and something like investing in an in a vict- antiquated Victorian
1: water system loses out and that, that's kind of exactly what we've seen isn't it? even if you have a dedicated stream, the dedicated stream was never going to cost never going to cover the actual cost of investment in water infrastructure. If you look at the amounts of money they're talking about even forget about the conservation grant you're still just talking about slightly over 200 million euros, whereas you need a multiple of that to invest so even having a charge doesn't guarantee that you have the investment. The question is political will. And the same parties that pushed the water charges, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael and Labour, are the parties that have been successively in power and have underinvested. So I think it's a question of using the fact that we've had a huge debate in society about water, now to say that this actually is a priority, not to allow the government away, which I think they might like to do, with under-investing in water infrastructure again, in order to return in a few years later, in a classic example of like defunding public services in order to say, well, we need charges or we need privatisation. I think we will need to keep a movement up on these questions as well, demanding investment in our infrastructure.
0: Sarah, this whole issue has been an absolute political triumph for the AAPPP, hasn't it? It's kind of, it's uh, led to Paul getting elected, first of all, in the by-election, then getting re-elected in the general election, having far more TDs than they ever had before, and they look as if they're continuing to go up in
3: the polls. Yeah, I suppose it's been the issue that they have campaigned largely on, and one that they have gained, I suppose, national uh, prominence or profile from, um, and I, I will continue to do so um, as this charge, as this report is continuously debated. I think. Um, in fairness to the AAPPP it's not just their position on water services that has or water charges that has got them elected I mean for people like Mick Barry and Ruth Coppinger and um and Paul they've worked the ground quite extensively on a number of issues but it has been
0: it's been a mobilising. It's been a. It's, it's it's been a campaign that they've been able to mobilise support around and and then reap the electoral rewards. Isn't yeah, and true?
3: it's a it's a campaign, I suppose, that they clued into a lot sooner than anybody else did. I mean, we saw when the water charges were first announced in 2014, uh, the other party on the left Sinn Fein um, supporting the principle of water charges and confirming that they would pay their charges the AA and PPP um, rejected that concept and they, I suppose, were the first to clue into what was the national um, anger and frustration at this. And then Sinn Féin had to reverse their position and follow suit. And now we've seen Fianna Fáil try to reverse their position and follow suit. So I suppose in one way they've led the charge on this. But... I was making this point to Paul earlier. I uh, personally I think you know middle Ireland has moved on from this debate over water charges. I think there is a strong opposition there was a strong opposition to their introduction in 2014 because people were at the end of their tether they just had received their bills for property tax and they were being trying to forced into paying a new charge um by an arrogant government who rammed through the legislation and they just had enough and they they they, they took to the streets but I think now 2 years on when we're you know, we've had a very extensive debate on water services in this country, and I think people, most people, middle Ireland, whoever that that, that well, phrase is. Well, depends how you
0: define that, doesn't it?
3: Well, I think you know, yeah, we've had this conversation. In well, here they'll before, they'll they'll take
0: Paul's point about there there aren't any water meters in in large parts of his constituency right now, and they won't be going in either. You know, you could see flashpoints again on that. that the, the, sort of issue. This, well, this whole
3: debate is covered with flashpoints, but I think. Um, there is a sort of general acceptance now that their water services have to be paid for in this country. And I think one of the things that hasn't really been tapped into by, by the media and on others is that this report is saying that the water charge regime as we know it is dead and buried. But it is also saying that to fund water services we have three options. We can either have a dedicated water tax, an adjustment of existing taxes, an adjustment of existing taxes only means an expansion of existing taxes, or a broadly based fiscal adjustment. So that means everybody is going to pay in some shape or form. Our service is going to be reduced because of to pay for water services. I mean, these are the questions that the EROCTUS Committee, of which Paul is a member, will have to will have to try and get to the bottom of because. Yes, we may not be getting a bill landed on our doorstep every three months, but we're still going to be paying for water services. It's just a matter of how we're going to do well, it. I suppose
0: the argument is in saving your presence Paul, I'm sure you well, you've just made it yourself actually, which is that the AAAPBP believe in the increase of taxes in certain sectors of society which they believe are under tax now, whether it be through raising corporation tax, some forms of fiscal taxes, or indeed a wealth tax. And that's that's their position.
3: That's their position? As far as I'm aware, nobody has ever received an estimation on how much uh, how much money a wealth tax would generate. As far as I'm aware, the f- Department of Finance in their pre-budget submission in pre-budget submissions has always uh, refused to give a figure. Am I wrong, Paul?
1: Yeah, they refused to give a figure. I mean, we were able to work out our own figure um, based on a combination of the CSO and central bank reports. So we we now know how much wealth there is in society, and we know what the distribution of the wealth is. And on that basis, we were able to do the calculations which are contained in our budget statement to say that a 2% millionaire's tax, so a tax on net assets exceeding 1 million euros, would raise 2.8 billion euros. And the ESRI had a report last week which was an attempt to debunk our wealth tax, millionaire's tax proposal, but doesn't actually engage with the substance of what's actually in our tax proposal. Would would that include people's family homes? It, It would, but the reality is, of course, most people's family homes wouldn't be included because they'd be under a value of... A million euros. There'd be a fair few people in Richard Boyd Barrett's constituency would have, uh, but, they, but they may have mortgages as well. To, uh, to so, I mean, people you, don't you know, have net assets over ex- exceeding a million euros, generally speaking. Um,
0: but it is fair to say, isn't it, that you have a you have a different analysis, and that's what's hmm. what's got you where you are today, which is at a, at a higher level, both in the polls and in terms of seats in the doll. Is there a point at which? Um, I remember watching, I think it was Richard Boyd Barrett during the general election campaign in the debate being asked about opening, reopening rural Garda stations and his response was something along the lines of, ah yeah, sure, if they want them open them. <laughs> there was a, and there was a point a lot of people said, looking at that, they said well there goes the AAAPBP. They're not actually taking things seriously because they don't expect to be in power. They're a party of protest they're a, a, a word we, which we hear an awful lot at the moment. They're a populist party who will pander but aren't actually being serious about policies to actually run the country.
1: Yeah, I think this word populism is bandied about a lot now. And it's basically used as a synonym. If if you say things that are popular, well, then you're a populist. And that's not not what populism is. What is populism? I'd say populism is um, political parties, often of the right, but also you can have left populism, um, which um, uh, cover up uh, an agenda which actually does favor one section of society generally a richer section of society in terms of right populism with language and kind of policies and rhetoric designed to appeal to the the popular classes the mass of, of ordinary people and we're not populists I mean, we're socialists we're, we're for loads of things that aren't popular we're for separation of church and state we're for full abortion rights. We're for increased taxation on corporations. We've always been for a bunch of stuff that's not popular. We're, we're socialists and we have a class analysis of society. We base ourselves on the working class in a very broadly defined way, the 99% ordinary uh, people. So 99% but, of the people are working class. Well, then, No, they're not in reality, right? Uh, but a majority of society is and then you have a bunch of people in the middle class, etc. But we have a class view of society as opposed to a populist view of society. And what's happening is that the so-called centre of politics, which is the extreme centre, as Tarek Ali uh, wrote about them, is is breaking down. And it's it's breaking down and it's losing support under the impact of this immense capitalist crisis that is global and that we may see another uh, phase of uh, coming down the road, that the betrayal of traditional social democracy of their base, as in the Labour Party in this country, PASOK in Greece, social democracy all across Europe, and then people looking for an alternative. And into that space has stepped two different types of forces, right populist forces, represented by Trump, represented by former and partly neo-fascist forces, the likes of Le Pen, uh, the likes of Geert Wilders. There are right populist forces stepping into that space. But in this country, it's the left that has most effectively articulated the anger, disillusionment of people, the reality of people's declining living standards, in- increasing inequality. And we have a very different recipe for, and a solution than what they do. I mean, the, the right populists will blame immigrants, will blame people of color, will blame women or whatever, and they'll pursue and discriminate against the minority. Whereas we're saying very, very clearly that we need to change this system. We need a different model of organizing our society. We need to get rid of capitalism. We need to organize on the base of socialism. We need public ownership of the key sources of wealth in our economy. We need democratic planning. And that isn't popular yet. The majority of people don't agree with that. but. Politics changing really, really quickly. And like the water charges, like, it's true, people have moved on. But people haven't just moved on as in, oh, water charges happened and now they're back to voting for Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael. They haven't. People have moved on as in the process of politicisation and radicalisation has gone further. Uh, the water charges was a catalyst for that because it was people's anger about the crisis exploding. The 11th of October 2014 was my by election, the water charges, first water charges demo, big one, coinciding. And that does epitomise the change that has been taking place. But I think there's a lot more change to come. I mean, the, the trend in Irish politics is for PVP to equal and surpass the Labour Party. In the last three polls, we either have the same or we've gone beyond them. I think that trend is likely to continue. And then the question for us, we're not satisfied with AAPBP. Like, that's not enough. And being the fourth party in politics in Ireland, that isn't enough. We want to be a party of government because we want there to be a left government. But a left Does government, being a party of government in Ireland involve making compromises? Uh, it doesn't and it shouldn't involve making compromises of the core left principles that we stand Because for. we were talking to an author uh,
0: of a new a new American book about populism, which was about populism of the right and populism of the left just a, just a couple of weeks ago and uh, one of the arguments he made was that when parties that parties in opposition, parties which were built for opposition actually, were able to put forward a set of policies which crumbled once they came in contact with the realities of power and the obvious example he gave was Syriza mm. in, in, in in Greece, And isn't that
1: true? It's, it's true that Syriza, Tsipras, the leadership of Syriza crumbled because they were completely unprepared and they had unprepared the people of Greece for the reality that there's no space in this Eurozone, particularly in the periphery, in this European Union, in this capitalist system for even mild reforms anymore. That if you try to do anything other than the neoliberal orthodoxy, despite the fact that it's crumbling worldwide, they will absolutely crush you. They'll use the European Central Bank to destroy your banking system. They'll fiscally waterboard you, as Tsipras or Varoufakis uh, said. And so when we come to power as part of a left government, we don't intend to do it in coalition with Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael or Labour or parties that will sell out. We don't intend to do it with any illusion that we can appeal to the humanitarian instincts of the European Commission or whatever. We intend to do it on the basis of a clear program that we're going to break with their rules, that you can't deliver for ordinary people while staying within the fiscal framework, within the fiscal rules, uh, that you have to refuse to pay the debt. That is not our debt. You have to take radical measures to take wealth and resources out of the hands of the tiny minority who currently control them and into the hands of the majority, you need a socialist programme. Um, and Isn't it fair to say though that
0: a lot of what you've just said, with the exception of the last couple of lines, and I don't mean to be insulting on this,
1: I wouldn't be surprised to hear it out of the mouth of Marine Le Pen or Nigel Farage. The last couple of lines are very important um, because what you won't hear from us is any uh, attack on minorities, scapegoating of minorities uh, or majorities in the case of of women. Um, But also what you won't hear from them. I mean, at the moment, Le Pen is in quite an interesting and a difficult position, saying the question of there's a big workers' strike in France and the initial instincts of Le Pen was to give implicit support to the strike. And the strike grew and there was a potential for a, a major general strike in French society. And then the fundamental instincts of the Front National kicked in and they opposed the strike because fundamentally likes of Trump, likes of Le Pen, uh, likes of the AfD in Germany, the, the right populist parties and the parties that come out of fascism, they're in favour of this capitalist society. They're in favour of a more corporatist society with more integration between the state and big capital, but they're in favour of running society on the basis of profit. They are fundamentally. And if you look at like fascism historically, and obviously... You know, I wouldn't describe Trump as a fascist or any of these forces forces as fascist forces in a traditional sense but but fascism was funded by backed by big sections of big business and was used as a weapon to destroy the trade union movement and to attack uh, communist socialists those who stood in in the way um, and so you do have a depolarization society like you had in the 30s in terms of the rise of the right and the rise of, of and, the left. And, that and, and,
0: and in relation to that polarization there there was always a tradition on the on the left not the not the social democratic left but to the left of the social democratic left of sort of welcoming these kind of developments that even though they you know figures like Trump or the rise of the National Front uh, in, in France might be you know terrible in many ways that they exposed I think the phrase was the in, internal contradictions of capitalism and were a step towards that the kind of fairly fundamental revolution i suppose that that that
1: you guys be in favor of that that's not our tradition i mean there's a famous quote from the then leader of the communist party in germany when hitler came to power who said after them us uh, and that was a position that the trotskyist movement that we would uh, stand in that tradition absolutely opposed and we warned and like at the time trotsky argued for a united front of the communists and the social democrats to stop the fascists which That could have happened, but both sides, for their own sectarian reasons, refused to to do that. The the rise of the right is not at all something to be welcomed. I mean, um, if I was in America right now and I was a black person or a Muslim or a woman or an immigrant, I'd be worried. I'd be very, very worried that there's going to be more people killed in America by white police officers who feel emboldened under Trump than there were in the past. So that's a real threat. But on the other hand, we also have to, like, there's no point in just mourning. You have to organise And the immediate responses to Trump are impressive. Immediately you had 50,000 people on the streets the next day across America. The inauguration on the 20th and the day after, the Saturday the 21st of January, are going to see massive protests. There's a million-woman march planned in Washington DC. And so it is true that in the breakdown of the uh, centre, so-called centre, in reality it's right. You have the rise of the right and you'll also have a rise of the left in response to that. But we don't at all welcome the rise of the right it represents a real fundamental danger to people to working people's rights um, but the only alternative you know it's like you just look at Clinton like the democratic establishment had the most establishment candidate possible you, you can't defeat the right by sticking with neoliberal orthodoxy because you can't convince people you have to the only way to defeat the right is, is to mobilise in the base of a different programme and a socialist alternative
3: I was, Sir. Go- I was just going to ask Paul I suppose for, for, from your own perspective um, You've gained, I suppose, a national profile based on your opposition to water charges. If water charges are abolished, are you concerned that perhaps, you know, you'll struggle a little bit more to get elected when you don't have such a, a high-profile campaign to contest?
1: No. I mean, I think... um, I think if water charges are abolished fully, and I think that's a real possibility in this situation, that'll be a massive confidence boost to people. There's nothing like a victory to make people realise, look, we can win things. And... People will know, I mean, what the by-election in 2014 was about, very interestingly, the by-election wasn't really about are you for or against water charges, because the two main contenders said they were against water charges, Sinn Féin a bit belatedly and saying it in principle, but they said they were against it. The, the, the debate was about how are you going to beat water charges? Is it based on a strategy of electing enough people to do it all or is it based on a strategy of people, power, mass civil disobedience and non-payment? And our strategy won that by election. But also I think people will see very, very clearly that that's the strategy that will have beaten the water charges if we defeat them. And I think then it's about, you know, leveraging that into the question of repeal the eight, into the question of housing, into the question of waging wages. Like there's no end of issues that need to be resolved for ordinary people and those methods can be used on on all of them.
3: You're not one of these people who believe that the 90 TDs who were elected to Dallaire were bex- were elected based solely on their opposition to water charges, are you?
1: I don't know if there's anyone who actually believes that. Uh, I think we, we make the point that a majority of TDs in the Doll were elected on the basis of a platform of opposition to water charges. It obviously wasn't the only issue, and it wasn't the number one issue in the election, although it was an important issue in the election. But what we think it's it's not crazy populism to demand that those who were elected stick to their election promises. You know, like. Like, the idea is out there that being a responsible politician means lying to the electorate, then responsibly breaking those promises in the interests of, like, the established order in the country. And we don't, we don't buy that. We think that if Fianna do don't vote to completely abolish water charges, they'll be betraying their electorate and they'll pay a price for it.
3: But do you accept that they're in a position that you're not in? They had to form a government. You chose to opt out of that process. Um, they had to form a government and then in turn they had to compromise on their election platform. Well,
1: Fianna Fáil didn't have to form a government. I mean, political parties have choices about what they they choose to do and so Fianna Fáil chose to allow Fine Gael to come to power and function as a semi-opposition semi-government party which is about, you know, trying to save the so-called centre in this country by trying to pretend that they're government and opposition as opposed to forming just one coalition government. They, They made the choice to do that and so it's perfectly legitimate for us to make the choice to criticize them for the actions that flow from that
0: Sarah can I ask you a question actually what, what given those those recent opinion polls and the various other things we've been talking about what are the prospects for yaA over the next few years and then we run up to the the next general elections and the local elections that follow
3: well it was why I asked Paul that question was because as I said earlier they um they have gained national prominence and profile because of the large opposition to water charges. And as I said, society has somewhat moved on. So if you face an election, which we could potentially be facing one in in the new year, um, they still have water charges or to, to fight their election campaign on. My question is, what happens to them when that battle has been won or lost for them? What do they move on to? Because they do campaign on a number of other issues, but there was none as a sort of, they didn't capture the public's, there's no other position that has captured the public's oh. imagination. It, 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 it distilled
0: like a, a, a much larger wave of resentment onto a single tangible kind of an issue. Yeah, yeah. and I think yeah. we've
3: spoken about this here before. It's probably because it's simple. It's easy mm-hmm. to understand it, it, it was at the it was at the, it was the last um, the straw in the camel's back or whatever the phrase may be. People were just they couldn't take anymore, and the what they took their anger out on the water charges. Now we're two years on from from that position, and while the AA and PPP and Sinn Féin and others keep enforcing this mantra that water charges was you know the dominant factor in the um, in the general election campaign it actually wasn't um and i don't think it would be in, in a future um election perhaps it would be if it was one held next year when we're still debating well i suppose the isn't the
0: reality that the aabpp is a somewhat different type of a political party and we've had members of it in before and they talk a lot about uh, about mobilization grassroots mobilization which in the year 2016 involves Facebook groups as well as feet on the ground and a whole range of activities which aren't all in the, in the traditional way in which Fine Gael, uh, for example you know, would run their political party.
3: Yeah exactly and they can reach levels of society that probably they wouldn't have been able to reach previously due ones to that the, are
0: ignored a lot of the time. Uh,
3: some, well, of anyway. some of the time, some of the time, maybe perhaps, but um, they're reaching corners of Ireland that perhaps they wouldn't have reached beforehand. I mean, AAPP's strongest base is in the capital city, and now uh, and in other cities like Cork and and so forth. Now they're trying to expand that to you know rural Ireland and to to smaller parts of the country, um, and they can do that by by social media, by Facebook and Twitter. But I mean, the AAPP as as of now is a political party in Dublin, but they actually. Have completely contrasting views on a number of things. I mean, in, in the run-up to the budget, they both launched different pre-budget submissions, um, which contradicted each other on a number a, a number of fronts. Only one. Only one front. Okay. Well, well uh, but they're you know they're they're not a united political party. Although I have they to say they they're not fighting with each
0: other as much as they used to do in the times that times in the past. There is slightly slightly well, more that's coherent politics, front.
3: You <laughs> will see what happens when it comes <laughs> to a general election and whether that unity will continue.
1: Paul, I want to give you the last word on 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 the future. Yeah, I mean, for us, the AAPUP project is is really successful. We think it's vindicated by the election results, by the poll, by our prominence in the doll as representatives of the movements that exist outside the doll on repeal, on water, uh, etc. It, it isn't a finished project. I think both the anti-austerity lines and people for profit believe it's a stepping stone towards a significant, broad, mass left party in this country. That's what we need to build. There's agreement around that. The question is... Um, a broad mass left of that sort that will, you know, completely put the Labour Party into the shade and, in my opinion, potentially challenge Sinn Féin in terms of which would be the leading force of what's seen as being on the left. Um, It won't be built just by the Anti-Asterity Alliance or People for Profit coming together. The most important thing is precisely these people across the country who've been radicalised by all these issues and more and more of those people are coming around the AAPVP. It's a clear pole of attraction. And at a certain stage, I think we'd like to take the next step in terms of um, you know launching something very very substantial, because I think the the space is increasingly there for it in politics in this country and in lots of other countries. Well,
0: let me conclude that I for one would welcome the uh, a more memorable name than AAA so, BPP so would, would be a good place <laughs> to start. Listen, thanks very much to Paul Murphy and Sarah Bardon for joining us today. And that's it for this edition of Inside Politics. Thanks to our producer, Declan Connell and engineer JJ Vernon. Remember, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and it's really great if subscribers take a moment to rate or to review the show. You can also email me at hlinehan at irishtimes.com or find me on Twitter. Until the next time, though, goodbye and thanks very much indeed for listening.